Welcome to the Nashville Vineyard Podcast. For more information, please check us out at www.nashvillevineyard.org. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you have a great day. a series, uh, and if you don't have one of these, we encourage you to pick one up on your way out. We're uh, in the middle of our series on hard conversations, and uh, we have these sermon guides here uh, for you. And so we're going through these. These are devotionals that you can take home and, uh, and work with us as well. And essentially what we're trying to understand is how do we be Jesus in a world that is so divided? How do we, how do we represent the character of Christ in a very culturally divisive time? Uh, in our in our history in our country, and so we want to we want to start to explore uh, how we can be people that build bridges as opposed to building walls. And so we're working through this conversation. And uh, if you'll remember that this is all hinged upon this idea of creating a culture of honor uh, within our church, within our lives. How how honoring one another is key to unlocking the wisdom of God, the favor of God, and and it's key to being able to relate to people that are are very different from us. And so within that idea of the spectrum of, of building up a culture of honor in our church, we, we've gone through a couple affirmations. And the first affirmation that we've gone through is that we, we admit that God has all truth and we just don't have a perfect understanding of it. And we talked about how, how it's true that God is absolute truth, but we see in part and we know in part. And so we allow room for maybe uh, different interpretations of how that truth plays out. In, in individuals' lives, while simultaneously recognizing that there is an absolute truth and that we do have access to it through the scriptures. But there are things outside of the scriptures that, that are in question. There are different arguments and different maybe even theological points that are maybe uh, outside of the realm and scope of the scriptures that we admit that we may not have the right answer on. And so we have to enter into a conversation with that in mind. Hey, Andrew, I feel like this is kind of loud. Um, the second affirmation is that being loving is as important as being right. And we talked about how last week that it, it's important to understand that we have the truth, that, that there is a truth that we can deliver and there is an actual right and an actual wrong uh, in many of the circumstances that we face. But just as important as it is on being right, we have to understand that it's, it's, it's as important to deliver it through love. And that being, having the truth on one hand and having love on the other hand are actually equally weighted. And that we understand that the truth without love is a clinging God. And, and it, we, we went through the book of Corinthians and we saw that, that there are two people in one church that were divided. And on the one hand, there was the people that believed they had the truth and they were elevating the truth over the love of people. And they forgot what the truth was for and it was for the people. And then on the other hand, there was a people that were elevating love for people over the truth, and they were starting to, to drift back into the culture that they came out of. And Paul shows us through Corinthians that, that you have to elevate both to an equal stance. And we talked about that. And this week, we're talking about how the Spirit can create unity where it once seemed impossible. And so we want to we dive into that uh, a little bit about how the Holy Spirit can, can enter into our conversations, can enter into our lives, into our relationships, and begin to bring about a unity where it, it actually just is impossible heretofore. 
And so as we're, as we're looking at bringing Jesus into a fragmented world, we have to understand that when we begin to want to be Jesus and bring Jesus into this fragmented world, and how do we build bridges, and how do we cross those boundaries, and how do we reach the people that are far from who we are, we have to understand that regardless of the strategy, of the context, of what we believe to be right, that without the Holy Spirit ahead of us, it's, it's going to be null and void. Essentially, the Holy Spirit is the great unifier. The Holy Spirit is, is what draws us to people. And so we're talking about that today, how uh, there, there really isn't anything that, that we can do without the unction of the Holy Spirit to, to bring unity. And we're going to take a look at, at a couple passages of Scripture that, that dive in. We're going to be camping in and around Acts chapter 15. If you want to go there, we'll get there in a little bit. Last week, in, in our conversation of how it is to be loving and, and right at the same time, uh, one of our points that we, that we ended up on was that, that at a certain point, we have to step back from our, our thoughts and our strategies and our senses, and we have to pray. We have to pray for people. We have to pray for those that, that believe differently than us. And, and a lot of times we get caught up in maybe our apologetics. We get caught up in, in our intellectual ideas and beliefs, and we minimize the work of the Holy Spirit in, in relationships. And sometimes maybe we think that we can pray for ourselves, and that's good for us. But we have to understand that there is power in prayer that I don't believe any of us have tapped into fully, that we don't understand fully how powerful prayer, praying the words and the prayers of Christ can be. And if there's a prayer that Jesus is praying over and over again, it's that we make us one. That was a prayer that he prayed, Lord, would you make us one as we are one? Would you make them one as we are one? And so Jesus's prayer over and over again is unity. And so as we begin to move towards this, as we begin to move towards other cultures and, and other beliefs and, and barriers in the way, we have to understand that when we pray Jesus' prayers, those are some pretty powerful prayers. And so all the strategy and all the points that we make and, and all of the, you know, the, the tips that we're giving, and we're going through some practical steps in this series, really don't mean much if they're not surrounded and embedded in the prayer of the Holy Spirit. Praying the prayers of Jesus. Would you make us one as we're one? And so it, it, it brings us to the key verse that's in our, our guide today. And it's Acts chapter 15, verse 30 through 31. And it says that the messengers went at once to Antioch, where they called a general meeting of believers, and delivered the letter. And there was great joy throughout the church that day as they read this encouraging message. Father, we just thank you so much for your word, for the truth that you made known for us, for the love of your Son, and your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we say this is your church, you're in charge. Would you prepare our hearts and our minds to hear from you and our ears to listen? Would you make it easy for me to preach? It's in your name we pray this, Jesus. Amen. So this particular key verse uh, 30 through 31 and chapter 15 is, is in a broader context of this, uh, of this confrontation that happened in the early church. And if you have a Bible, it probably says like the Jerusalem Council uh, above this, this part, because it was at this time in the church that we were really confronted with uh, one of the first issues where we had to all get together as the church of Jesus. And we had to understand 
what should we say on this and how does this work? And, and apparently what happened is that there were, there, were these, there were these Jews in Jerusalem that went off from Jerusalem and they went up to Antioch. And, and Antioch was where uh, Paul and Barnabas were hanging out and they were doing some missionary work uh, there. And they'd been there and they'd been building the church of Antioch. And so some of, some of the other Jewish people from, from Jerusalem were, were on fire for Jesus. They were excited and they were going to be missionaries as well. And so they went up to Antioch and they began to, to, to preach this message that was allegedly endorsed by Peter, who was kind of the, the father of the church at the time. And, and they, were, they were preaching this message that, that was pretty counter to what Paul had been interpreting, what Paul had been preaching. And, and it, was, it was hampering church growth, you know, things like adult circumcision and stuff like that. That would be hard to grow a church with that being preached. And so they were trying to overlay the Jewish customs that they believed, the Mosaic law that they held, they were trying to overlay that on the gospel and it created this, this tension and confusion and, uh, and, and an argument that broke out between Paul and Barnabas and these folks. And so they, they needed to have some clarity. They needed to have some idea of what do we do? Do we have to follow the Mosaic law? Do we have to do these things? Do I really have to get circumcised at 47? Are these things that I really have to do to follow Jesus? Because he sounds good, but that's a lot. And so they needed to figure out exactly what, what to do. And so Paul and, and Barney went down to Jerusalem and, and they, they said, we, we got to sort this stuff out. And so they met in Jerusalem. They met with Peter. They met with the disciples. They met with the Jerusalem church. And we have this council of Jerusalem. And they were, they were in there to, say, to decide, do we have to follow the Mosaic law or not? And this is important for us. This is a, a major thing for us as, as people that are probably mostly Gentile here, as people who probably really enjoy barbecue. This is an important thing that, that we get to understand that happened in the early church. It was a big deal. And so they have this, this giant council and, and they're going through all of these things. And, and Peter stands up and and he delivers this message. And, uh, and so they come to this conclusion after Paul and Barnabas start recounting, look, God is really moving up here without the Mosaic law. And, and here's what he's doing. And they're talking about these miracles and these conversions and, and the way the Holy Spirit is just thriving in, in this context that seems so foreign to the people of Jerusalem. And so they, they have this giant conference and Peter basically stands up and he starts recounting his vision that he had. And, and they come to this conclusion and they send this letter. It's very simple, and this is what it says. This is verse 24. It says, we have heard that some went, went, out from, went out from us without our authorization and disturbed you, troubling your minds by what they said. So we all agreed to choose some men and send to them to you with our dear friends Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we are sending Judas and Silas to confirm by word of mouth what we are writing. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. You are to abstain from food sacrificed to idols, from blood, from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. You will do well to avoid these things. Farewell. Take a look at verse 28. It says, It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. So the point is, is that the Holy Spirit... Is, is the one that's leading this campaign, this charge towards unity. 
The Holy Spirit is actually far more interested in, in unity than we'll ever be. It's, it's one of the things that primarily he's, he's doing in the world. And we need to get to a point where we understand that it will seem good to the Holy Spirit. And then if we're with the Holy Spirit and following after the Holy Spirit, it will then seem good to us to bring unity. I mean, there's no, there's no secret how divisive things are at the moment. It's pretty crazy. And there's, there's people fully entrenched on both sides, and it seems like an impossible scenario that we can actually build a bridge from one side to the other because we understand that these things are temporal and there's an eternal truth that must be realized. And if we don't do what we need to do, if we don't follow through with the Holy Spirit, that these people may not get the truth that they so desperately need. They may not feel the love of the Father that they so desperately need. But we have to understand that the Holy Spirit is far more for that than we'll ever be. And so as we look at the context of Scripture, we can see that it's the Holy Spirit that is going before us that's bringing about unity. There's this really interesting uh, chapter, and it's in, it's in Genesis 11. And this thing happened where all of these people were gathered together, and it was early humanity, and they were... They were of one mind, but it was not for good. And they were of evil intentions, and, and the Lord comes down and he disturbs the languages. And he brings a little bit of divisiveness between them because their hearts were bent on evil, it says. And so he divides the people up by languages, and so the people groups begin to scatter. We call this the story of the Tower of Babel. And in this story, he confuses the languages and, and the people find their own language and they, they go off and they segment into different people groups uh, as, they, as they find people like them. And then we see this story prevail from, from the rest of the scriptures. It's just the story of people divided. People divided in wars and all of this sort of thing. And it seems like that's the destiny of humanity until we get to Acts chapter 2. And in Acts chapter 2, there's this story of around 120 of Jesus' disciples, and they're hanging out in this upper room, waiting on what they don't know, because Jesus just left them. And he went to heaven, and they saw him float up. And they're freaked out. And they're wondering, what are we going to do? And we learn that, that on this day, we typically call it Pentecost in the church, that on this day, that the Holy Spirit actually descended upon them and filled them with power and with fire and with wind. And the result of that filling was that they stood up and they began to speak in other tongues. And these tongues were actually being able to be understood by all of the people that were gathered in the city for this Jewish festival of Pentecost that was going on. And all of these ethnic people of, of different tribes and different languages were all together in one city. And when the Holy Spirit descended, they, they got up and they began to speak in the language of the people that were gathered there. This was the reversal of Babel. And instead of the Lord coming down and dividing the people, the Spirit came down to bring unification for pure hearts. We have a story later on in Acts where, where Peter is, is on a roof and he's praying, and primarily this was a, a Jewish thing that was happening. This, this Christian thing was, was primarily with the Jews. And so he's on this roof praying, and, and he, he gets this vision 
And this vision is basically the Lord telling him that, that don't call anything unclean that I've, that I've made. Don't, don't say that you're better than something else. And, and meanwhile, we have this guy who's across town, and he's a Gentile, and the Holy Spirit visits him and says, I've seen your good works, and, and I want you to go sin, towards, sin for Peter. And he's going to come, and he's going to show you the things of the way. And these two things are happening simultaneously across town. And so he sends for them, and, and as Peter is coming out of this vision and, and wondering what in the world is he going to do with it, he, he gets a knock on his door, and it's, it's those folks from the Gentile house. And so they, Peter goes, and, and he preaches the gospel of Jesus to these Gentiles, and the whole house is converted. We hear a story of, of Philip who is literally transported. He's teleported from one place to another, and it just so happens to be when this Ethiopian is coming through. And, and he relays the story of Jesus, and he opens up the scriptures, and, and that Ethiopian goes back to Ethiopia, and we see the gospel spreading in the church there. We see over and over and over again in the book of Acts and, and the epistles that it was the Holy Spirit that was calling Paul to different towns and different cities, and that he was beckoning to come over here and to come over there. And the point of this is, is that it's the Holy Spirit who's bringing about unity. It's the Holy Spirit who is drawing us together. It's the Holy Spirit who's working out Jesus's prayer of make them one as you're one. And where it seems impossible, he, he typically dwells in that arena. God's economy, as we say, is the economy of the impossible. And if we're called to be with God, then so are we. And we're called to dwell in this realm of the impossible. And when we start praying the prayers of the impossible that are empowered by the Holy Spirit, then impossible things seem to happen. Things like teleportation. And if, if the Holy Spirit is so into this idea of spreading the gospel cross-culturally to teleport someone, surely he can build a bridge in our workplace and in our office of someone that believes differently than us. And maybe he'll teleport us at the same time. That would be neat. We have to understand that, that it's the Holy Spirit that's driving this push towards diversity. This push towards bringing a diversity in the church, bringing a cross-cultural aspect into the church, making the gospel available to people that look, think, believe differently than we do. It's the Holy Spirit. A lot of times we're tempted because of maybe cultural pressures or social norms or, or whatever it is to, to do some sort of manipulation in order to, to make it seem like we're in line with the Holy Spirit. It never works. It's the wrong way to go about it. Instead, if we believe in the Holy Spirit, we're following after the Holy Spirit, then, then unity would be the natural outflow. Because the Holy Spirit is driving towards the unity. There's this interesting uh, part in the book of Galatians, chapter 2. Paul's talking to the, to the people of, of Galatia, and, and he's recounting this story uh, of Peter. And this happens later on, after, well after chapter 15 that we're reading through. Uh, it happens well after that, most scholars believe. And so Peter takes this trip up to Antioch, the place that was the, the impetus of this whole Jerusalem council. And he takes this trip up to Antioch, and he's staying there. He's probably staying there two, three, six months, something like that. And he sees this church 
that's so diverse yet unified, it just blows his mind. And he sees Jews and Gentiles and rich and poor and all of these people that are so enraptured with Jesus and the Holy Spirit that they just can't help but be together all the time. And neither can he. And he begins to enter into that and, and the fellowship that happens. It's just this, this wonderful experience until some, some folks from Jerusalem come out to hang out with him. And they start saying, what are you doing? You're hanging out with Gentiles? You're doing all of this stuff that you've never done back home. What's wrong with you? And they start putting social pressure on Peter, and Peter kind of begins to draw back. And, and Peter being Peter is you know, seen as this, this apostle, this figure of the church, this head of the church. Uh, everyone else starts to follow his lead. And we see that the Jewish community begins to withdraw from the Gentile community in Antioch. And the, the, the wonderful unification that the Holy Spirit had brought was eroded because of Peter and what he did. And we see, Paul tells us in, in Galatians that he comes back into Antioch, and you can imagine he spent so much time here, and he's, he's fought so hard for this church in Antioch, this, this beautiful picture of the shalom of God that rests on that city, that brings everything into peace and focus. And, and he's worked so hard with the Holy Spirit to bring that, and he leaves for a few weeks, and Peter ruins it all. And he calls Peter out, he says, like he rebukes Peter in front of everyone, calls him out on the sin and, and says, what are you doing? And Peter repents and things seem to get back to the way they were. And the rest of the book of Galatians is about the freedom we actually have in Christ. It's, it's Paul undoing this work that Peter did at that time. You see, our, our natural hearts are hearts of battle. That's our natural state. And if we're not careful, what will naturally happen is that we begin to drift to the people that look like us, talk like us, sound like us, believe like us. Because that's, that's our natural hearts. It's our sinful selves. We're drawn to Babel. There's this pull towards Babel. And it doesn't matter what we do what sort of religious parameters we may pull up to make us less like Babel, it will never work. Because naturally, we drift from a heart of Babel. And the only way that we can actually begin to step into the prayer and the fulfillment of the promise that Jesus prayed is if we give ourselves with abandon to following the Holy Spirit's lead. Because the natural outflow of the Holy Spirit-empowered life is... Pentecost. It's unification. It's the reversal of Babel. And the Lord is calling this church here, where we're at now in Nashville, in East Nashville. He's calling us to be a church of Pentecost, not of Babel. We're in this church because a church died. And part of the reason the church that was here for a hundred of years died is because what happens is we drift towards Babel. And we start to assimilate with those like us. And as people begin to move in that aren't like us, there's less of us around. And eventually they die. And what we're called to be here in Nashville is a church of Pentecost. 
And maybe typically in your mind that means a church with flags and, and dancing and crazy things like that that seem like fun. And, and maybe, maybe that's what you think when you go to a church of Pentecost, and that's an outflow of it for sure. But a church of Pentecost is actually about bringing unity where there once seemed impossible. Caverns to overcome. And so we're in this series because we've spent the past year really focused on developing a core of a church, a, a people that, that we can actually you know, meet every week. And we've developed sort of the bones of this place. And now it's time the Lord is calling us out into the streets. He's calling us out into the neighborhoods. He's calling us out into the cities. And we're never going to reach the world if we're not empowered by the Holy Spirit to build bridges where things seem impossible. We're in East Nashville, and, and this is a part of town where I first moved to town. I, I thought this is where we're going to plant the church. And, and over and over, and year after year, everyone said, you need to stay out of East Nashville because it's a church graveyard. Because there's too many people that believe too differently. But here we are, miraculously. Because he's calling us to build bridges where instead there have been walls. He's calling us to reach out to the culture, to the city. And if our prayer is a prayer of the kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, in Nashville as it is in heaven, then it has to be a prayer of unity. Because the kingdom of God looks a lot like unity. And so the point of this whole thing is that we can learn tips and tricks to navigate conversations. We, we can have affirmations. We can have these rules and these sets, and those may be good. But if we're not seeking after the Holy Spirit, we'll never get it. We'll never get what the Lord is calling us to because it's only through the Holy Spirit. It's only through the power of the Holy Spirit can we actually ever really do anything that makes an impact. And at a certain point, you'll be in a relationship, you'll be in a context, and it'll seem good to the Holy Spirit. And so you'll do what seems good to the Holy Spirit. And the outflow of what seems good to the Holy Spirit is unity. It's unity amongst diversity. So how do we navigate these crazy times? How do we, how do we press forward? How do we reach people that are far from us? We concentrate on the Holy Spirit. We're concentrating on being a people that's so enraptured by the Holy Spirit, so led by the Holy Spirit. We'll go anywhere, do anywhere, say anything that he tells us to say. We know that Jesus wasn't magic and that he was just doing what he saw the Father doing, and that's what we're called to do too. And what the Father is always doing is bringing about unification. He's not just in the resurrection business, he's in the reconciliation business. And we're here to partner with him, to partner with the Holy Spirit in bringing about reconciliation. And it seems impossible. It seems impossible. That's a good sign. If something seems impossible, it's a good sign that the Lord is behind it. And so how does a small church, uh, a young church, work towards reconciliation of a problem that is just far too large through the Holy Spirit? Simple as that. And so what I want to do is I, I want to wrap up uh, today with just this idea of saying, 
can we, can we just as a people, can we rededicate ourselves to just following after the Holy Spirit? To just say, hey, you, you be in charge of me. I want to only do what I see you doing. I want to only go where I see you going. I want to only pray what I hear you praying. And if we give ourselves to that, I'm betting we'll be amazed at what happens through us in every way. And if we repent from a heart of Babel and turn towards a heart of Pentecost, then I I believe we'll see what we really desire. We'll see this unity and diversification. We'll see multiplication. We'll see miracles. And right now, that doesn't seem to be any miracle that's larger than bringing peace and unity to a divided people. But that's what we're called to do. So we're going to stand, and we're going to pray. And and I want us to pray this prayer together, if that's okay. And then after we pray, we're going to have a time of ministry uh, and worship. We're we're going to do things a little bit differently. We're going to um, open up the communion if if you feel led to take communion. Please come and get the elements as we worship. Uh, but we also want to take time out uh, to, to actually do some, some ministry. And so if you need prayer, if, if you need prayer for anything at all, we invite you to come to get prayer. Specifically, as we've been praying for this service on, on Sunday today, uh, we felt that the Lord wants to do a couple things specifically. We, we feel like, one, that there's someone with, uh, or maybe a few people, with lower back issues. And we feel like the Holy Spirit wants to touch that and heal that. We also feel like there's people that um, have a relationship in their life that has been fragmented, and um, we feel like the Holy Spirit wants to begin to bring about unity in that relationship. And we also feel like there's there's some folks here that they've been in this uh, in this wilderness time. They've been been in this time of uh, of a drought, and uh, the Lord has been saying that rain is coming, and and you're starting to lose focus of that. And I feel like we need to pray for you as well that, that the rain is coming and that, and that you will get out of this drought time, this desert place. And we need to restore that hope that he's calling you to. Before we do that, let's, let's pray together. If you wouldn't mind, just, this is a declaration for ourselves so we can just put our hands over our hearts on ourselves. We're just going to pray this over ourselves. And we just say, Holy Spirit, we are yours. Holy Spirit, we are yours. We want to follow you. We want to be led by you. We want to be taught by you. Our lives are not our own. We belong to you. Today we give ourselves fully to you. Today we say that we lay down our plans, our agendas, and our desires. So that we can pick up the plans that you have for us. Would you make us into the image of Jesus? Would you make us into the image of Jesus? Would you give us the privilege to work with you? In building bridges in our homes, in our communities, in our families. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
So we're going to worship. We're going to have a few people from the prayer team that will be down here for prayer. If, if that is you, we just encourage you to come for prayer. Uh, for those things or anything else. And uh, we'll see what the Holy Spirit does. For all upcoming events or more information about the Nashville Vineyard Church, please check us out at www.nashvillevineyard.org. Thank you again for listening, and we hope you have a great day.